listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. Twenty-four hours ago or so, I returned home from a Japanese-style sashin. It's a seven-day seven-day meditation retreat that's uh, highly, um, I want to say, the word that keeps coming to mind is scripted. You know, it's highly, uh, highly, highly organized and um, I sat for nine periods of zazen a day, uh, and then our lunch and our breakfast and indeed our dinner was all done in posture, you know. And so it was just really we were planted on that uh, planted on that cushion, and it it was uh, so incredible. I even in all the times that I've done this, I forgot, and it had been a few years since I've done one, uh, but even though I've done it several times, I forgot how the purpose of a sashin is to tenderize you. It's to tenderize you. It is to put you in a situation where you are just getting beaten to a pulp. as much as it's not so hard for my legs and body to hold this particular posture for, I could probably do it for about an hour, and then, okay, uh, uh, try it for 40, 40 minutes, and then 10 minutes of kinhin, and then 40 more minutes, and then 10 minutes of kinhin, and then 40 more minutes, and then an interval where you just stand for five minutes and then back for another 40 minutes. And, you know, it's just one of these things where it's just, and by day two, you're just losing it. Um, And what was so odd on this this particular event for me was that one of the aspects of my practice where I've always been pretty good, pretty stable, pretty, I've always been able to kind of hit that, hit that mark of real basic, what we would call samadhi, concentration, where my mind stops. And I'll sit down usually for the first five minutes or so, and then pretty much it's just thunk, and I'm there. Um, thoughts reigned every single period of zazen for the first four days. And I started to doubt my practice. I started to doubt myself. I started to doubt, you know, it's like, how can I even think of teaching? I'm a wreck. I'm an absolute wreck. I'm sitting here. I can't stop thinking. And my body, which usually holds out pretty well, I'm fairly decent shape, although I am getting uh, a little softer, uh, <laughs> or a lot softer. Uh, you know, I, I was I was literally falling apart, and 
all of this stuff started coming up. And then it was like, oh, perfect. This is what it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be shown. I'm supposed to have this massive dose of humility. I can only imagine the growth that that has occurred. I mean, I, we'll, we'll see. But, but <laughs> give me a few weeks. This may wear off. But uh, the, 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 the idea that I know that there is something in me as a teacher that is about suck it up. And I know it comes from my conditioning as a kid. I know it comes from the way I was raised. I know it comes from being a coach on the pool deck and saying, you know, this is what we need to do. I used to coach water polo. You know, this is what we need to do. And we're going to do it my way. You know, I know I have that tendency. <laughs> the cool thing about this machine is it basically just went smack, smack. And it was beautiful. Um, and there's a lot more to it that uh, I'll go into, I think, um, in my, my uh, extended talk tonight. But I think the main message I wanted to kind of share as we begin is give yourselves a break. You're doing just fine. No matter what I say. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, you're doing fine. If you are sitting here with a pure heart and an intention to open to what is beyond time and what is beyond mind, if that's really what's kind of sourcing this practice, you're golden. This stuff's going to take care of itself. Maintain that intention. And just watch what happens with a full mind and an open heart. With a full mind and an open heart. I tend to yammer on so much about this very singular focus of our practice, which is to observe to observe our experience and not in to get a little technical, not so much like the Vipassana style of Buddhism, which is just to, you know, observe everything, but to actually, actually participate in that observation uh, such that we watch our thoughts very, very clearly. We watch our mind. We become aware of our awareness. Now that sounds kind of bizarre, but we become aware of our awareness. And in doing so, we uncover a still point. You may not feel it as still immediately, but we uncover this still point in our practice that allows for space to be generated spontaneously around whatever may be coming up. I don't know if any of you have ever touched on this before, but let's say you, you have something that's uh, troubling you as you sit down to zazen uh, or sitting meditation. Let's say you have some, uh, or this is a good one, some body part that decides it 
doesn't really want to participate in tonight's sitting the way you wish it would. Something along those lines, maybe something very superficial or something really deep that kind of comes up. This is the work. It's to create a space for that to happen. Make it a safe space. Make it, make it a place where this, uh, this teaching is actually, it's, it, it rests upon an amazing foundation of a tradition. Um, it's safe also in that you are sitting among spiritual friends. They might not be people you would go have a beer with after Sangha, although I, that probably would be a good idea once in a while for everybody to head on down to the roundup. <laughs> I think that'd be great, actually. We all just kind of show up kind of floating in there. And, you know, what would you like? Beer? You know? Or vodka cranberry? Or just soda water? Regardless, just that kind of Infinite Smile Sangha is just that. It's a Sangha. We are a group of spiritual friends who sit with fire so that the person next to us can also burn. And you don't have to be pals with them. Although it's been kind of nice watching deep friendships kind of uh, spring from this work. Regardless, we have a container. It's a form, we might say. And in that form, what happens? What, what reveals itself? Well, in that form, as we sit with that form, that structure, what happens is there is a loosening of our internal structures, of our mind structures, of the relationships that our mind has cultivated usually over years and years and years with our body, with our emotional life. And so as we sit, as stillness kind of unfolds or presents itself, that might be a great way to, great way to put it, the cages that we have been facing or we have been, better yet, sensing get rattled. And as the cages get rattled, the integrity of those bars begins to get compromised. And as the integrity of those bars begins to get compromised, they fall of their own accord. We don't have to do any smashing at all. We essentially come to a realization that there was no cage, that the cage was self-created. And in this practice, we get to a point of self-revelation. In other words, where we, it's revealed to us that we are free. That we can create space around whatever arises. Maybe a better way of saying that is we can begin to recognize the space that is inherently wrapping every situation and inherently infusing every situation that might show up. It's there already. The space is already there.
And so when we're able to do this, when we're able to consciously recognize, oh boy, there is a place of resistance within me. In my case, my God, when will these images stop? They just keep flooding my awareness. My mind won't stop. This is what was going through, going through my experience. And the practice was just to watch, just to be there. Now, to get judgmental about it, it just took too damn long for it to break apart, but still, it, ultimately, it did. That awareness then creates space, enough space for there to be a lack of structure, and in that lack of structure, what happens? Everything kind of falls away. But I also found that it was important to have structure to get to that point. I wouldn't have, nor would any of us get to a point of shaking it loose, generally. Maybe some of you are really skilled, okay? But generally, we're not going to shake it loose unless there is a bit of, back to my original word, tenderization. There's got to be a little hammering. And this is oftentimes why we find that in moments of great tragedy for us personally, awakening can be quite near. We get tenderized by life in a moment. We recognize a flash of utter and complete stillness in the middle of the disaster. And then we get caught again usually. We get whipped around. But that moment is a perfect example of this space that we can allow to kind of suffuse, infuse, and support whatever moment, or rather whatever this moment brings. And so just as a way of encouraging each of you, no matter what shows up, find the space around it, by being still yourself as best you can with a sincere effort. Let the space surrounding that situation reveal itself and rest there in that space. It's a very beautiful moment when we recognize rather than being squished by a particular situation that we're resisting with all of our, all of our might. We find that we can create space around the situation. And even though the situation or circumstance may still be crushing us, there is this awareness of the crushing that is perfectly still, that is perfectly free. Its quality is utter and complete freedom from whatever presents itself. So no matter what hits you, there's your practice. No matter what kisses you, there's your practice. We can find situations that are so beautiful 
that our knees weaken, that tears come flowing down, and we want to hang on to that thing. Create space. Let that space reveal itself around that bit of glory, just as you would around that bit of pain. Let life's form support you. I do an absolutely rotten job of bringing lots of forms into this Sangha. And that's very purposeful because I was the worst Zen student on the planet when I was a, a practicing monk. I was, the, I have mentioned this to several of you before, during the chants I would make up names. I would, uh, you know, they're saying these chants, they, many of these Dharanis are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. Uh, actually a couple of them that I believe we chanted according to this guy uh, yesterday uh, are over um, a couple thousand years old and they cannot be translated. I don't know how true that is, so somebody go Google that and see if it's true. But uh, 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 so you can't even translate them, but there it is in the morning service. You know, you know, and bowing and everything. And, and to me, it's like, okay, there's absolutely no relevance here whatsoever. So I'm gonna play. You know, and the guy next to me would start cracking up, and then you know, people go, what the hell's going? You know, these very pious. You know, and I, my ego thought that was the funniest damn thing in the world. I've calmed down quite a bit since then. I've actually, actually kind of said these with a, a, full, a full mind and an open heart as best I could this last week, and it was quite beautiful. That's my confession, okay? <laughs> it was quite beautiful. Very mindful bit of work into something that... Uh, any rational human being would consider quite mindless. Yet the incantation. In this Sangha, I try very purposefully, as I mentioned, to let that incantation, incantation be life itself. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. It seems to be working, kind of. But uh, I thought those forms were actually quite marvelous. Didn't miss them. They were marvelous. Um, I also found that uh, among the things that's so important is kind of this cultivation of an, an appreciation for this moment as it is. Let it be your favorite, no matter what's happening. This is my favorite moment. The guy who was leading the, the retreat was so just six feet, seven inches of cute. You know, this big old guy just steeped in the Dharma, you know. And uh, he was talking one of his Dharma talks how, how he, uh, he has this obsession with the food that's laid out in these orioki bowls. It's a very highly ritualized, you know, bowls that you know you lift up at the right time and then you, you know, whatever. And I still haven't got it down, but after all these years, but he, uh, he said that, uh, I try to let each meal be my favorite meal ever. And it, it, it almost broke me. How cool.
talk about freedom. That's freedom. That is freedom. There's no, no discriminating or discursive mind pattern going on there where he was going, well, I wish these strawberries and buttermilk, I wish that hadn't been served, but instead we would have, no. It was, oh, wow, I am alive fully. That's freedom. Great, great teaching. And every one of us has that, has that opportunity every single moment. Even when the shit hits the fan. Wow! Oh, the shit is hitting the fan. <laughs> totally. This is such a mess. Man, you know. So creating space for ourselves. Letting each moment be your favorite moment. And then lastly, turn up the heat. Turn up the heat. Stiffen your spines. Get ready. You know? This has to be a priority. You have to want this. I know that sounds bizarre. Isn't that what we're trying to get away from? The wanting, you know? But you have to have a white hot fire burning in you to have the courage necessary to walk this path. And every single one of you miraculously has more of that fire than you can imagine. I mean that literally more than you can imagine. Your mind can't comprehend, cannot comprehend what's within. But the practice taps into it. It creates an availability. All you have to do is say, let's do it. Is that a question? No. No. <laughs> what are you going to do? Create. Um, this is my favorite moment. <laughs> so create space around that favorite moment. Yeah? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, it came up for me uh, a friend of mine died. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. You mentioned Sashin and turning up the heat, and there's yeah. this paradox about seeking in Sashin's where they hit this big wooden block, the Han. Right. And then they say, at least in the Sangha I belong to, they say uh, something like, life is impermanent, and it's like a fleeting arrow, and it's like lightning, and it's like a bubble on the ocean, or yes. some sort of metaphors like that. Yeah. To encourage you to seek and practice and turn up the heat. But I just, but it is a paradox because many other teachers say, the seeking is the problem, that there's an I there yeah. seeking, and it's sort of a paradox. So I just wondered if sure. you say anything about turning up the heat. Absolutely. Turning up the heat and seeking are very, very important because what happens is um, 
uh, I love I love those metaphors, and I love also on on Arhan at uh, uh, Green Gulch. I remember when I was a when I was a, a monk there, it, it said. Uh, uh, wake up, this is serious business, which is a quote, a translation from uh, Dogen, I believe. You know, and they're hitting this block. It's like, this is serious business. You know, we are not screwing around here. On the one hand. On the other hand, there's this incredible, just gentle care that that, that, that form, that rigidity actually, actually holds within it. Okay? The seeking... The metaphor I like to use is what the seeking does. It reifies an eye that is looking for something outside of itself, right? But, <laughs> but what it does with practice, with a teaching and a teacher, a guide, some one and some, some uh, 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 truth that can carry you along, what it does is it creates its own plank to walk. And it doesn't know it's doing it until it's too late. Okay? So the seeking, the turning up the heat, creates a situation that reifies the self, okay, only to the extent that it will totally fail at recognizing that it is any closer to, that it can get any closer to emptiness than it already is. So essentially, uh, with that type of intention, and sorry, egos, if I spoil the surprise, you know, this means you're probably going to get real skillful about it now, you know, and go, well, no, I'm just going to walk uh, that far, you know, you, which is very, very common. I mean, there are tons of uh, egos that believe that they're awake, you know, and that's what gets communities into all sorts of shambles. But uh, again, what, what we do here is we, we engage fully, with you know with without hesitation but with full awareness if ever anything goes goes on in a particular community or with a teacher or whatever that, that doesn't that doesn't accord with or is not in alignment with what you know to be true run find another but there's a difference between that having a healthy skepticism in this whole process which i think is really important and really healthy especially especially in 20th century uh, 21st century uh, uh, spiritual uh, uh, pursuits. There's a difference between that and then attaching to doubt, which will always keep the plank from ever getting made. So, with a very, like I said, uh, an, uh, an absolutely uh, full mind and an open heart, I, I'm just encouraging. I'm encouraging you to let that seeking build. Let that fire burn. Get to know that fire. Get to know that fire. Get to know that pain. Get to know that pain fully. It'll make you more compassionate. Get to know that wondrous glory, that awe-inspiring stuff that occurs. Get to know it. That'll keep you focused. Keep you wise. They say. Um, when you meditate and it's quiet and there's no thought, um, that's one thing. But then what's the other thing where you're meditating and your witness notes 
notices something that comes up that you haven't been, maybe a feeling that you haven't allowed yourself to experience, maybe grief or something like that. Um, and then that's kind of an aha moment because you, I don't know, just your stuff. Your stuff comes up. My stuff. Sure. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I don't, I'm confused about what, um, what, what is this work? I mean, I, at first I thought, oh, it's all about being silent and no thought and, you know, that spaciousness. But then this other thing of, um, yeah, in the spaciousness, all this other stuff comes up. And then when the other stuff comes up, isn't that thinking? And doesn't it energize the ego? And um, Sure. But is the... I don't understand the, the relation. I'm confused about the relationship between... Well, let, let me tie it together real tightly. The witness is present in both spaces fully. Isn't the, how could the witness be in a no space, nothing space that's, um, that's nothing, and the witness is something? How do you know that the, the nothing, how do you know that the nothing does not exist without the awareness of the nothingness? Uh, yeah? yeah? Okay, wait, this is huge. I'm serious, this is huge, so please pay very close attention to that. The witness is present in all states. The witness is never not there, okay? It's never not, it's not two and not one. It's never not there. It's always there, whether thoughts are there or no thoughts are there. It's always there. Yeah, Laura. Just practically, are we trying to sit here and keep our thoughts quiet, or are we trying to watch the thoughts? Watch the thoughts. Okay. The so latter. I shouldn't be reminding myself. Don't no, no, no. Okay. Because then what you're doing is you're is you're building a self, a self that's trying to manage the, okay, and instead the work is to let go, right? And you let you let this stuff happen. And all you have to do is when you get caught by it is recognize, oh, th there's, there's a catch. And that which is recognizing the catch is free of whatever is doing the catching. So if my mind's full during a meditation, that wasn't necessarily a bad meditation. If it, if, I'm sorry. If, if my mind is full <laughs> during a meditation. Okay. What's a good meditation? That's just an evaluation by the ego. And that's ex so. So essentially, the ego becomes a scorekeeper, right? Nice one, sucked. You know, right? right? Yeah, yeah, right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it loves to do that. You know, that one was really good. That one, or or that sashin was a really good sashin. This one, not so good. You know, th then we have the evaluator. You know, it's just, it's a great, it's a great mask, a great stripe on the mask of ego, yeah. 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 Um, when it took you four days to quiet your mind, yeah. um, the first three days, were you evaluating, thinking? Yeah, totally. And so, and, and, and I would catch myself evaluating, and, and then it was like, hypocrite. <laughs> 
you know? And then when I'm saying hypocrite, I mean, who the hell's saying hypocrite? The ego. So the ego is at war with itself on the stage of mind. And, and the, you know, I was in a disarray. And it was so perfect. So perfect. Because, what it, first of all, I mean, it, probably the most profound thing, this may sound silly to you guys, but it, it, it reminded me of how tough this is when you're starting. It reminded me, you know, take a little, I mean, my job sitting here is to be absolutely relentless. That is my job. It's to be absolutely relentless. When your ego fires up, it's to go right there. That's my job, okay? But there are ways of doing that tenderly, with, but yet with total, complete attention and strength. And uh, uh, I, think I, I think it was good. It was humbling. It's really nice. So you didn't get to where you were on the fourth day because you were using willpower or... No. No, I kept, I kept doing exactly what I was just telling Laura. I kept doing it, and I kept doing it, and I kept doing it. Tears streaming down my face. I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And then... Oh, oh. Oh. There. You know? And it was just bizarre, you know? And, you know, I mean, going into it too deeply would be kind of silly and indulgent, but it was just <laughs> beyond words. And do you have to do that for three days before you can get to that point? Or can we get to that point maybe in a half hour? <laughs> <laughs> you, you want a shortcut? Is that what you want? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> because, I mean, if, if that, that made me a little worried that, gosh, I'm not going to feel that unless I go to a five-day... Well, maybe create some space around that. <laughs> yeah. I am, uh, I am thinking, I am thinking, uh, two big warning signs, <laughs> that, uh, that it might be really healthy. That's why I brought up the thing at the end of the talk. I think it might be really healthy for uh, all of you guys to begin having that external channel that you integrate in with the Sangha, you know? All of you guys can do this. Because I feel like the, two, the weekend one is, yeah. gets, it gets to a place that I'm not ordinarily in. Right, so right. I guess well, the, we have further to go, but I would also encourage you, um, you don't have to go, th you don't have to get nailed to the cross in order to feel God's love. Okay? You don't, that doesn't, that, this isn't, it isn't a prerequisite. All right? But there must be utter and complete stillness. Without that, we're, we're confusing uh, playtime with something much bigger. We're just showing up to listen to Mike give a talk. That's not what this is. I, I'm, I'm desperately hopeful that that, that is not what this is about. Otherwise, we are wasting time. Even though that time, might, it might be your favorite moment. <laughs> you know? And that's not to say I don't love doing this. I just think, I just think this, this work, this work, it, it, it transcends and includes us. You know? And... Uh, the sangha is growing in a really cool, in a really beautiful way. 
I, you know, I don't, I don't want to get in the way of that, but I want to keep our eyes on the prize. I do not care about you nearly as much as I care about your realization. That goes for everybody in this room. It's not that I don't love you with all my heart, Sheila, you know what I mean? But you understand what I'm saying? I care about your realization, and that's, that's really where you should be. And everybody here, let that, you know, that realization becomes, it becomes something, uh, um, a, a real, uh, has the opportunity to become a really beautiful guiding force. We can also obsess over it, and then it becomes really ugly, you know, but, uh, and I, that's why we have a sangha, a teacher in teaching. Well, I guess my question is, in the meantime, until we can do five days, yeah. the 30 minutes every day is awesome. someplace? Absolutely. <laughs> every single time you uncover stillness, you burn a little bit of that busyness, that habitual uh, buzz, you lessen its intensity every single time. So don't let, I mean, <laughs> what would suck is if you, you went and go, you know, I got to go torture myself in order for any of this to work. So I, I'm just not going to sit anymore. No, no, by all means. Sit tomorrow morning. Sit tomorrow morning. Torture and, yourself in small In small doses, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Rock on. <laughs> yeah.